Hello, humans, and welcome to another episode of Exposing Isolation. My name is Rebecca Elizabeth Weber, and today is May 16th, 2019. I'm going to talk with you about my dreams today. I think I've mentioned them before. Um, If not, I'm going to start fresh here. So I have all of my senses in my dreams. Sometimes they're lucid, if you're familiar with that term, um, knowing that you are sleeping. Um, Sometimes I know that I'm sleeping, but more often than not, I just rationalize that I have powers or that the world has different physics than what I'm used to, and that's totally normal. Um, So usually I know that I'm interacting with my world, but I don't always know that I'm asleep. Um, And I have all of my senses. So uh, sound, touch, taste, all of my emotions. Um, I can feel and experience everything that happens in my dreams. And they aren't calm most of the time. (laughs) They aren't um, soft, nice, peaceful, light-filled, joyous garden parties. (laughs) Um, I'll just tell you about last night and then I'd like to tell you about one of my favorites. That was from a couple of years ago. So last night, as well as I can remember, I was leading an army. Um, I don't know all the right words, but like a platoon, a, a small group, maybe 25 soldiers. And we were trying to get up this mountain to get an advantage on this alien monster demon, unclear, army that was like on the other side of this mountain range. There was way more of them than us, and we were going to try and ambush them or something. Not exactly sure what the plan was, but it was very clear that this was a desperate situation. If we didn't have to do it, we wouldn't have been. And so there were different times where... um, I don't know what you call them, sentinels or spies? No, like lookouts. Um, As we were making our way up this mountain, um, we'd see them before they see us and we would all have to drop to the ground. And just to give you a little bit of texture for how I experience all of my dreams, um, this was a more or less um, Pacific Northwest forest. There were ferns on either side of me. Um, There was a fallen tree. The earth was damp. It was foggy. And um, it was muddy. And when I dropped to the ground, my face touched the ground and there were were rocks. And um, I think I may have scratched uh, the palm of my right hand on um, a wood or something. And um, when they left, we kept going. And we made our way to the enemy army. Um, I don't know exactly what kind of creatures they were. They didn't stand out to me as like a specific monster or entity from any show that I've watched. Sometimes that happens. It's a direct like, oh, that's the this from that. Um, These weren't quite like that. Um, They were like a little bit of a mixture of like Gru and um, what are they, ogres from Lord of the Rings and I don't know, but they were like men and um, but not human. And so we were kind of like sneaking around them and the next thing I know, we're being chased. And we make our way down the other side of this mountain 
And we know that we've basically lost because that was our only chance. Um, They're going to get our village or something unclear. And we jump into, I guess those that are left of us, um, because that also happens in my dreams. A lot of people die in my dreams. Um, And they're usually like my men or something. Um, We jump into this lake. And it's the scene from... I don't know if it's the last or the seventh Harry Potter movie where they jump off the dragon into the water there. That. That's where we were. Um, And we jumped into the water and all of the monsters, uh, these these, uh, soldiers, um, alien soldiers, jumped in after us. And somehow there were water spirits that took up our cause and pushed us down to the bottom of the lake somehow still breathing and turned the water into this like pink gel that could form into anything. And so we could kind of look up and see above us that the alien monsters were battling with like water, pink jelly water creatures that were like able to create swords and battle and the unlimited amount of them. And um, we won, we were fine. We saved the day. Um, and then I woke up. So that was just my dream this morning or last night. Um, pretty common for me to go through that sort of thing um, every single night. Yeah. Um, I have um, about four minutes left of this recording. It's different than anything else I've ever talked about. Um, but I just want to quickly tell you about one of my favorite dreams. And so it starts out. I'm standing next to Aang's statue at Capital City, like in um, Legend of Korra. And Thomas is on another like um, islandy rock thing like next to me. And then far away, there's another man and a woman who are part of our like team. And they're called the man or the the woman in the face. The woman in the face are their names. Um, superhero-y avatar kind of creatures or not creatures people superheroes um and um the aliens were attacking and between me and thomas were like talking on headpieces we're like okay we can handle this but um the only thing that we can't let happen is for the face and the woman to get taken because they were our lead scientists they handled all of the technology for um our weapons for earth and um, of course, they are the ones who get taken. And so then we we know that it's only a matter of time somehow before the aliens are going to have access to our technologies. And whenever this is in time on Earth, um, we have lost diversity as humans on the planet. Everything has become really homogenous. And one of the worst Um, there's so many bad things about that, but one of the worst consequences is that we only have a limited amount of technologies because you don't have different societies and cultures coming up with different things. And so when we start having Star Wars um, and the aliens come and they learn about our technologies, there's no backup technologies. They know everything that we're doing. We're really vulnerable. And so um, when that happens, the Earth government or whoever comes to me um, again, I'm the captain of this group of like paired, um, superheroes, basically there's other people in our troop. So it's me and Thomas. And then there's like other pairs. 
um, still on earth. And they come to us and say, um, Rebecca, you were right. Uh, the paper that the, so the paper that I published, I had published in the stream was about, um, how the lack of diversity on earth was making us vulnerable to attack and uh, making it us more susceptible to annihilation from both internal and external forces because we were no longer resilient or adaptive to change, um, which is one of the worst things you can do to humanity. And so they came to me and they said that I was right, um, that we shouldn't have ever done what we had done to the planet and we needed to re-diversify. And my hypothesis was that it would take 500 years to re-diversify the planet. And it was going to be a bit um, Scott Westerfeld um, extras where they start bringing back Japanese culture. So I was I had um, what was left of anthropologists and um, ethnographers put together packets of culture so that different groups around the world could re-experience and revive um, lost cultural practices and start creating new technologies and ideas, um, kind of from fresh cultural interpretations, um, somewhat inspired by the, um, the elements of Avatar, the, the different nations, um, and then how that diversity in Korra turns into one of, um, you know, you have like metal and different in lava and stuff. Okay. So they agree that it's going to take 500 years. So they put Thomas and I somehow, and I just been reading, um, Ender's game and, uh, uh, what is it called? Um, well, the, uh, the rest of Ender's game series, I read the whole thing. And so they had shot us up into space, brought us back 500 years later to like demilitarize the planet, get it, make sure it's really diverse, make sure that we're peaceful, make sure that when the aliens come back, we have peaceful negotiations instead of a war. And my favorite part of all of this is that I guess 500 years later, um, Thomas and I wake up or we come back or something and we are in this room and we're like waking up and we open the door and we go out into what looks like a campus quad of a college. And we go out there and there's this garden and there's students who are um, using like a touch screen kind of, it looks like if you go to a botanical garden and they have like the signs that tell you about, or if you go to a zoo and they have like the signs that are um, not quite table flat, but um, up a little bit. And this, it was like a touch screen and it wasn't working. And the students were saying, oh, this thing is a piece of junk. Uh, why can't we get an update or whatever at the school or whatever they were saying? And I walk up and say, well, when I was born, when I was little, we didn't even have internet in my home. So this actually looks like quite an improvement. And they turn to me and say, who are you? Like, what is this? And I say, oh, I'm Rebecca Elizabeth Weber. This is my uh, husband, Thomas Finnegan. They drop their stuff, jaws drop oh my goodness, you're real? We thought you were just a rumor. We thought that you were a legend. We, we all follow your essay. We, we, you saved the world. And I think I woke up. So <laughs> that was one of my favorite dreams I've ever had. And I still feel like that essay um, may happen. So 
not exactly like that, but something to help save the world. So hopefully it's prophetic. I don't know. I'm two minutes over, but those were that was the dream I had last night and the dream that I um, had a couple of years ago that was one of my favorites. I'll leave you there for now. Thanks. Bye.